Welcome to another edition of Running the Race with Rob King. I am Rob King. So glad that you are with us and excited to uh, share from the Word of God today. And I've taken some advice from friends and they said, okay, go on YouTube and, and, and post it on YouTube as well. So if you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever, you can also go on YouTube, look us up and find it there. I know there were friends who tell me they were listening to the podcast while they're mowing the grass and, uh, you know, driving the car or whatever. That's great for the podcast. You can just listen in. I guarantee you that watching it on YouTube will add no measurable value. Uh, and I, if you like seeing yourself on video, I mean, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. It's, we're doing it. I'm doing it uh, because I, I love you. I want you to also be able to see me uh, if, if that's your thing. But anyway, I'm glad to be with you. We're continuing to talk through First Peter. Today we're talking about the good life. The good life. What would you consider to be the good life? You know, you drive down the road and you see billboards that uh, tell you what you deserve. You deserve this. It's a, it's a resort, golf course, amazing, perfect life. You know, that's <laughs> the good life. What is the good life? We can measure it by fame or status or, you know, money, material things. Uh, you know, you can look at people to say, well, they really have the good life going on, you know. Um, Bill Gates, or, oh no, he's just going through a divorce. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ideas in the world of what the good life is, to have all the money you want, to have all the fame you want, to have whatever it is, material things. But we know, as believers in Christ, that there's something deeper, more profound to the good life. Jesus said, I want you to have life. I came that you'd have life and life to the full, an abundant life. What is that abundant life? That's what we're going to get into in this episode today. We continue with 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read 8 through 12, and then we're going to break it down and just go through it. Here's what it says. To sum up, because he's summing up all of these Christian uh, lifestyle ideas. He, he talked about marriage. He talked about civic duty. He talked about all that. But now he's going to share with us what it means to have the good life. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let me give you four things you can do to have a good life. According to the Apostle Peter, as he, he told us how we should interact with those who are in authority. He told us how we should interact in marriage, and even if we have an unsaved mate, we talked about that. Now he's going to tell us how to have the good life. First of all, I would say he's talking about having the right mindset. Having the right mindset. What is the good life? You know, and here's the thing. When Jesus talked about having a good life, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he describes what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. 
He describes the characteristics of what it's like to be a Christian, to be like Christ, to walk with Christ is to be like Christ. And that is the good life. But what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? It's this upside down kingdom that Jesus teaches us. He teaches us about a kingdom that is different than the world. The Apostle Peter is writing this letter to a group of believers that have been scattered, remember. And they're suffering and they're persecuted. And he's saying, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of having an, living in a world that is against you, in the midst of living in a world where they're seeking all of these other things and they don't even like what you're seeking, they don't even like you or support you, in the midst of a world where all of the media, all of the music, and all of the ideas that are coming at us every single day are categorically opposed to our life in Christ. He's saying, this is the way I want you to live. You can live with victory, and you can live as an overcomer, and you can live with joy, even in the midst of your suffering and in the midst of this opposition. The Apostle Peter is saying the first thing you need is the right mindset. The right mindset. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Sympathetic, feeling one another's feelings. Literally means to feel with one another. Brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. It reminds me of one of my favorite passages where Jesus is talking about his kingdom and what it's like to be like him. He says in uh, Matthew chapter 11, uh, 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Weary and heavy laden with all the rules of Judaism is what he was referring there in Matthew. Weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. What is his rest? Take my yoke, my burden upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You've been burdened, and you've been under a yoke of slavery, uh, trying to obey every law and obey every rule. And, and he's saying, here's, here's the secret. I want you to learn from me how to have this light and easy yoke. Understand that I am lowly, and I am humble humble in heart. I am gentle and humble in heart. What was the secret to Jesus's life when he was walking with the Father, aside from the fact that he was truly God, and he was completely God and completely man? He walked with gentleness. He walked with gentleness. This is the right mindset to get into. The right mindset is to say, I want to walk in the fruits of the Spirit, a love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, goodness, meekness. I mean, there's no law against these things. This is not easy. This is not easy. This is what born-again people are empowered by the Holy Spirit to actually do. I'll give you an example from this week. Uh, my wife went to get the oil changed in uh, our Chevy. And so we like to take it to the dealership to get the oil changed. They have a record of it. We just, we just like to go there. And we like this particular place here in Texas where she goes. She goes to get the oil changed. And, and uh, we made an appointment online. And she goes in. And, and I was at work. And she was there uh, getting the oil changed. And, 
And uh, she called me up and she said, or no, she texted me. She texted me. She had been there for two hours sitting in the lobby. I mean, I think at the time she called, it was an hour and a half, close to two hours, maybe a little after two hours. So I said, babe, don't worry about a thing. I am going to call those people up and I'm going to take care of this, right? (laughs) Well, I've learned over time and uh, to walk with Jesus is to be like Jesus. And of course, I had recently read this in 1 Peter, that helped probably as well. But I've learned that um, it almost never pays to get angry. Uh, You can get angry, but don't sin. But I've even found, I mean, uh, getting loud, Telling people off, it just it just never goes well. It never goes well. Then you have to go back and say you're sorry. But anyway, all these thoughts were going through my mind as I called, and they answered. A lady in the service department answered and said, Hey, this is, uh, I think I said her name was Bethany. This is Bethany. And I said, Hey, Bethany. <laughs> I said, Hey, you know what? This is honestly what I said. I said, We love bringing our car there. Uh, y'all do a good job. You hear my Texas kind of, I just get right into it, you know. Hey, y'all do such a great job every time we come. But my wife's been there today for going on two hours now. And I don't know, is that, that doesn't seem normal for an oil change, you know. And she said, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. She tells me that they had bookings uh, online that had backed up and they had technical issues and all their problems and all their stuff. And we're so sorry and we're so sorry. She'd call me back in a minute. She'd dig into it. So she called me back in a little bit. And I said, Bethany, you you guys always do such a great job. I I want to keep bringing my car to you. <laughs> this is the honest truth. I wasn't laying it on thick. You're saying, oh, first Peter, Peter's telling you just to smooge people. No, I was genuine. I was empathetic. I was thinking of, man, what are they going through? They must be really busy. But my, I also was empathetic with my wife <laughs> and what she was going through. And so I was saying, hey, is there anything that you can do? I mean, just to make this right. This just this just wasn't right. I know it's not your fault, Bethany. You're not changing the oil, but could you do anything? And uh, she said, Mr. King, we're going to take care of it. I said, thank you so much. Hung up the phone and Stephanie texted texted me and said, they didn't charge me anything. Uh, she still wasn't super thrilled that she had been there that long. What's my point? My point is that whether or not they would have given us something for nothing or, or made it right, I hung up the phone and I had peace. I had a clear conscience. And that's, that's living the Christian life, living the blessed life is living the life that Jesus describes in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'd like to say I do that every single time, but I am learning, and you're growing in in sanctification, you're getting better. It's having the right mindset. It's having the right mind, not the worldly mindset, but a mindset like Christ. The next thing you need, according to this passage, is the right approach. Number two, the right approach. Here's what he says further. He says, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. I think this is where it kind of goes off the rails. This is the expectation of Jesus on our lives. 
the expectation that, that, that of all people, the Apostle Peter, who was known for putting his foot in his mouth, who was known to just speak up and speak out and say bold things and say crazy things and get totally rebuked by Jesus, but now he's learned, he's grown in his mm, discipleship with Christ. He's seen Christ enough to know that you don't return evil for evil or insult for insult. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Peter would have been watching. Think about it. He was there betraying Jesus, but he was also seeing Jesus when he was being crucified, when he was being beaten, sorry, before his crucifixion. The Apostle Peter was there, and he watched Jesus being absolutely ridiculed, beaten, and reviled, and not reviling in return. The Apostle Peter says to us, don't return evil for evil or insult for insult. Do you, you, you know what that means? That means that you, as a believer in Christ, can totally be insulted. And what you're to give is prayer and blessing. The bare minimum requirement of every believer for any enemy that you have is that you love them and you pray for them. This is so easy to say over the microphone to the video, and it is not easy at all to do. It is death to do it. Jesus said, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That means that when you are reviled as a believer in Christ, you cannot immediately snap back. Your conscience will bother you if you do. The Holy Spirit will bother you if you do, saying that's not the way we operate. Don't return evil for evil or insult for insult. Wouldn't it be great if even part of the world dealt with insults and injuries like this? If anybody says something against you on social media, hey, here's what you're called to do, to bless them instead. This is where Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, this was a common thing that would happen to many Jews in the Roman uh, uh, Empire. They would be forced to carry something for a soldier or another. Uh, And he's saying, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may, you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The Apostle Paul would later say, hey, we toil and work with our own hands, and when we're reviled, we bless, and when we are persecuted, we endure. This is is the essence of Christian behavior. Now, you might not recognize that nowadays because so many people who claim to be Christians are responding in the same way that the world does, but this is not how it should be. And this is not how you'll have the good life. It's interesting how much of the good life is tied not to material things, but it's tied to the, the, to the state of your heart. Having the right mindset and having the right approach. I mean, where you can keep your peace all day long, 
When you respond this way, I really believe this is the easy yoke that Jesus is talking about. It's hard to fight all day, and it's hard to have to have your way, and it's hard to demand your rights and to be angry all the time. It is really hard to demand your rights. It's really hard that every time you're reviled, you have to revile back. It's really hard that every time you're mistreated, you'd have to go out and mistreat somebody as well. But it's an easy, light burden and yoke to say, today, I'm going to be gentle. Today, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to empathize with others. I'm going to care. It's interesting because the Apostle Peter is the one who uh, asked Jesus, uh, how many times do I need to forgive? You remember this? How many times do must I forgive? And he, <laughs> the Apostle Peter said, seven times. It was common in those days for, uh, for the rabbis to say three, forgive three times. Well, he had doubled that plus one. He had seven times. I think it was probably a moment where the Apostle Peter thought, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, how many times should I forgive? You know, I don't know how many of these other guys would forgive this many times. Let me blow your mind. Seven times? Seven? You know, and it's like, Jesus said, no. Not seven. Seventy times seven. (laughs) And you can just imagine them doing the math on that. They're like, wow, that's a lot. It's going to be tough to keep track of that, but I'm going to do it. Now, that wasn't the point. And Jesus describes what his point was by telling a story, a parable. A parable always had a punch that Jesus would tell, and it was a story that was made up. It wasn't an allegory. It was just a story that he told to tell a spiritual reality, a spiritual truth, in a natural way that you could understand. So I'll just briefly tell you the story. Let me summarize it. He basically said there was a king who had a slave, and the slave owed him $10,000, a lot. The slave begged to be forgiven. The king graciously forgave him the $10,000 he owed him. Then the slave went out and had somebody that owed him $5 and strangled him over it and put him in jail. When the king heard, have you heard this story? When the king heard about what the slave did, he then punished that slave. How dare you? And he, until every penny is going to be paid, you're going to be tortured, you're going to go, you know, you're going to pay. This is the story that Jesus told. What was the point of the story? He, 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 he concluded the story by saying, it will also be that likewise for you if you don't forgive others. <laughs> the story is obvious. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, How much have you been forgiven? God Almighty has backed up a semi-truck full of grace to your house. He's forgiven you of all of your sins. He's imputed to you His righteousness, and He took upon Himself all of your sins. You've been forgiven much. So, you've got to forgive others. You know, you got to go from the reservoir of this incredible bounty of forgiveness and grace that God has given you, and you got to spread that out to others. I've, I've, I help myself in this by telling other people that I only give out the grace that I require. And I require a lot of grace, so I've got to give a lot of grace. Having that right mindset and the right approach is critical to having the good life. Be gracious. Third, have the right foundation. Have the right foundation. This is verse 10 and 11 of this same passage. Here's what it says. I'll remind you again. It says, For the one who desires life 
to love and to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. If you want life and life to the full, you live like Christ, not just walking with him, but living like him. You desire life and love and to see good days, good things. You've got to be committed to the truth. You've got to love the truth and grow in your love for the truth. Be absolutely committed to the truth. That is, not accepting lies, not living by lies. Loving the truth. And then hating evil, keeping your tongue from evil. James talks a lot about this, how, how our tongue is such a small member of our body, but it's, 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 it's the most, it can be the most evil member of our body. You should bless those who curse you. You should speak well of those who you would even consider your enemy. What a challenge this is. James says if you can, if you can tame the tongue, if your words are holy, the whole body is holy. Jesus said it's not what goes in the mouth, but it's what comes out that defiles because it reveals the heart. You want to be committed to the truth and love the truth, refusing to lie. And you want to absolutely hate evil. This is something that sets Christians apart. This is how you know you're growing in your relationship with God in your sanctification process. How, how do you know? It's because you have, you have no tolerance for evil. You hate it. You have evil in your life. You have sin in your life. You hate it. You repent of it. You, repenting means turning from it. You, you just absolutely despise evil. If you don't despise evil, if, if you don't hate wickedness, then you're not living according to it. You don't have the right foundation for truth. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Have the right foundation. Love truth. Hate evil. And then it says, uh, basically from the Greek, what it means when it talks about peace is to aggressively hunt for peace. Be on the lookout for it. Find peace wherever it is possible. And I'll say this about peace. Peace is required. It is the foundation for any joy that you're going to have in your life. You want a good life? doesn't matter how much stuff you have. doesn't matter how many things you do or the vacations you take and all the stuff and all the whatever. Whatever people are all looking for. If they don't have peace, if you don't have peace, you won't experience any of the pleasures of anything that you have. It begins with peace. You know, we can live against our own conscience. Paul talked about this a lot. I have a clear conscience, he talked. Keeping a clear conscience means realizing when there's sin in your life, repenting of that sin, and living a pure and holy life. I had a phone call with a man one time. I was in my office at a church, and this is back when I was working at a church in Texas, and he talked for about 30 minutes about this relationship issue that he had with I thought was his wife, and I was going to help him, and we were talking about it, and I said, well, how long y'all been married? He said, oh, we're not married. We just living together. <laughs> I thought, well, I could have I saved us a lot of time because the fact that he was living with her, that is against God's, uh, that's adultery, right? And so. 
uh, he was wanting to live for Christ. He was wondering why he was having such a difficult time. Well, it's it's pretty elementary. You've got to repent of that sin. That's gonna that's gonna trouble you. That's gonna bother you. That's gonna bother your conscience. The Holy Spirit is gonna be bothered. God is not gonna bless that. And you want a blessed life. You want the best life. You want the good life. You want a life of peace. You have to live according to uh, the way that Jesus wants us to live. And so I could have saved a lot of time if I'd have known that. Uh, but then after that, the conversation uh, went, uh, it, was, it was over pretty quickly when I, when I talked about that. Uh, let's move on. You've got the right foundation. Now the last thing is this, have the right motivation. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So you, you got to have the right motivation in all of this. And the right motivation is the understanding and that perspective that says, God sees me. He sees everything about me. He knows everything about my life. He is in charge. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is in the good things. He is in the bad things. He is in the fun things. He is in the difficult things. He's in the good times and he's in the hard times and he's in the life and he's in the death. Even in the things that we lose and the suffering that we endure, God is in it all. He is sovereign. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing. And even when we don't understand it, he knows what's going on. You can see him in every situation. He's going to work it all out for his good. As you love him, you're called according to his purposes. He is going to work it out. You don't have anything to worry about in that regard. And you need to have the right motivation to say, Lord, I know that you're watching everything about my life. You're watching this conversation I'm having with this woman uh, at this dealership. You're, you're watching every thought. You're watching every and hearing every word. You see my life. You see me and you know me. That's a joy. That's a pleasure. I mean, that is, it brings me more peace. The sovereignty of God brings me more peace than I think anything about the Lord, just the fact that He's over all and in all and through all and knows all. You know what that means? That means when you're going through a difficult time, God sees that. When people are reviling you or persecuting you or harming you and you're not returning it to them, but you're committing it to the Lord, God sees that. God can honor that. When something has happened to you that has hurt you and you immediately, with that pain, you turn to the Father and ask Him for help, He sees that. When you refuse to be anything but gentle and kind, brotherly, empathetic, sympathizing with others, caring for others, loving others, not reviling when you're reviled, all those things... those Those are not things you're just doing for other people. You're not doing them because you're trying to be good. What is the point of it? The motivation is, God, I want to bring you glory. I want to honor you with my thoughts, with my words, with my relationships. And I, I, know, I know you can honor those who honor you. Now, the point isn't that, that I would receive some blessing, but the truth of the matter is, as I live for him, he has his eye on me and he takes care of me. And he does bless us indeed. He does bless us. And we're not doing it for the blessing, we're doing it for His glory. But when you live for His glory, you are blessed. Not like the world blesses. 
No, not Jesus said, "My peace I give to you, and not as the world gives, but but my peace, and His peace is an everlasting peace." He told the woman at the well, He said, "If you ask me for water, I'd give you water, and it would spring up into eternal life for you, life." Life to the full, a life overflowing with the Spirit, a life that has joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness. Can you imagine? The world has no idea what this good life is all about. This is the life that Jesus wants us to have, and He wants us to walk in it every day, and He's given us the Holy Spirit to help us do it. So, my prayer for you this week is that as you're walking with the king and being a blessing, that you would walk like the king and really be blessed. I'm praying for you, and I I love you. Um, If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at uh, our email, robkingpodcast at gmail.com. Any prayer requests that you have, we're happy to pray for you, and we're thinking of you. Thanks for listening today. God bless.